This has been in the works. So I was at a, a great wedding for um, our good friends, uh, friends of the show, Sam Jarek and now Morgan, New, formerly Newport, now Morgan Jarek. We were at their wedding a couple a uh, couple weeks ago, and I was chilling with uh, Officer Nick, also friend of the show, and his uh, his lovely fiance Sam Betley. And we were saying that you know we've had Sam and Morgan on the podcast. It was a good you know hit with a lot of their wedding guests. It was a good hit with all the people that listened to it. Very very positive feedback from a lot of people. And Nick. Just he did one of the things where your brother does, where he just slams the table and says, "Like we need to do this right now. We need to get you need to get Mike on the show right now." I'm like, dude, I would love to have Mike on the show because Mike has been a friend of mine for over a decade now. I think, honestly. yeah, it's like, been a while, back, like, long time, know, long time. Dude. Like our families go back a long time. Like you and I go back a long time. Your brother and I go back a long time. And so, like, we've known each other for over almost over half our lives at this point, which is kind yeah. of crazy to look back at. That it. is so, that is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so like kind of getting all those things together. And you know, what I've admired about you is why well, I admire a lot of things about you. Cause I think you're, you're, I love your family to death. And so I think you guys all have great qualities in terms of what you guys bring to the table in terms of individual people. But what I think about you is that you are just so unapologetically open and expressive about who you are in all of the best ways. And there's all like these like kind of like, individualistic people, whatever the, like the blue hair people that yell about having blue hair, that makes them interesting or something. But like you have actually a developed and cogent personality together. And I, and I think like I was, I was talking about this to, uh, to your brother when we, when we were at the wedding. And I remember, um, when I threw the blue party in college. And mm-hmm. so I, I threw a, I so for context, I threw a, um, a fundraising party for, uh, for special needs, uh, advocacy charities, when I was a junior in college and this is the week or the weekend before I had my seizure and crashed my car and everything. And Mike went to a college, he ran track and field. Mike is a former, uh, two time all American, right? One, um, one time all American. I'm in nationals, uh, three times, uh, three different events, two years, but one, one all American and the one, one 10 hurdles. It's still amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's still like so, so good. So, I mean, that's, that, that's amazing. Mike was like a stud, um, track and field uh, hurdle athlete from a neighboring college. I went to Ohio State, but I went to a smaller university around Columbus, brought a bunch of his friends, and, and Nick was there and everything like that. And and Mike comes up to me. It's like getting to the part of the party where it's like just about to apex with the drunkenness of the party. And like everyone's like, they're really like kind of feeling themselves. They're having a good time. I'm, I'm behind the DJ booth and everything. And so you come up to me and you say, Sam, there's a song out right now called Old Town Road. And if you play it right now, this place is going to go fucking bananas. And if you play this right now, the whole place is going to burn. And I had no idea what the song was. And I did not know that it was the biggest song in the country and that Lil Nas actually be like this huge thing or whatever. And so I, I, I was like, okay, I'll get to playing it. I'll get to playing it. I'll get to playing it, whatever. We eventually did play it. It did bring the house down. And I was just like, you know, 
I would have never had the temerity to go up and say like, you know, like just be, have all the confidence, this unknown song that later takes over the world, does all these crazy things and whatever. But like, that's always been, you know, your personality with both kind of your pop culture things, the things you like in the world. And I think the thing that's most strong about your personality is just that you have very defined values that you have stuck to and been very open about sticking to for a very, very long time, which is what I reached out to you about doing because you were talking about ideas for the podcast and just in general, what we, you know, what we wanted to talk about. And I think the both, the common theme was that it's very hard in a lot of cases for people to believe what we can believe and still live as very open and happy and expressive people, especially now. And so (laughs) what I want to just maybe open up with you is kind of like, where where does that come from like when like so i guess so like you know we're talking about more like traditional conservative style values in terms of like living those out in the world living boldly and proudly about them so like when how did you come up with those and were they kind of prescribed by your parents were they kind of like inundated with your family culture and your family history and everything or did you self discover them or was it like a mixture of both like just get into that if you don't yeah no i think that's a good question i mean i would say it probably was a mixture of both um definitely just like growing up with a certain set of values in my house um, around every, every value you could think of, like that my parents, my parents were great just raising me and having good, good morals, good values. But just getting to that age, probably right after high school, going into college, I kind of just wanted to educate myself and, you know, think about everything from my own perspective. And the more I started to do that, the more I realized a lot of people didn't want to be as expressive or open about their, their values or their beliefs. I kind of realized how important it was to be surrounded by like-minded people and you can't really do that unless you go about expressing your values so that was definitely um probably around that time right right before college where i started really like opening up i guess and being more outgoing um but when it comes to a specific set of values i would say specifically yeah probably from my parents and my family yeah Okay. And when did you discover that your values were kind of more taboo? And like you say, like, I actually kind of like guns more than the average person. Like, oh, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know it was going to hit like that. Like, when did you, when did that start to be a thing? Did you always kind of have that sense about yourself? Or was, because I have an interesting story about, about that actually in high school that I can get into. But like, when was that like kind of red pill moment for review where you were like, Oh wow, the people actually don't, this isn't actually like the norm of what people think. I would say the same thing. Probably right when I got to college, I was, I mean, I went to a small liberal arts college, right? So a lot of people that were surrounded by me did not have the same values as me, which is completely okay. Like, I mean, I have so many friends that do not view everything the same as me. They view the stuff completely different and we're best friends. Like we don't, I don't let that get in the way of anything, which is great. And I think a lot of people don't nowadays, which is sad. Um, I don't think people should base their relationships just based off the facts that people have the same values as them. However, with that being said, I think it's important to have values that you do surround others with. Like for me, I think faith is a big one in relationships when i listened to sam and morgan's podcast that was a really good one by the way um like i think like that's that's a value that i want to surround myself with people but when it gets into like politics and stuff like that i think what it boils down to is just being being open you can find to be open just you should not be friends with someone because they think differently than you and i think that's a big issue in our society today is like they just don't they don't want to be surrounded with you and that's a that's a pretty big issue, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's like because there was this. 
I'll never forget this. I remember I told my, I was so shocked by it that I told my dad afterwards. He's like, yeah, that's how it works. So I, I remember I was in a, um, I was in, I think my, one of my early econ classes in high school. Like, so like basically there's the one in our, in our school, we had a basic econ course you had to get into. It was like half the year. So it was a semester long course and you could take the econ high school credit course later in the year. And I remember we were talking about like wages or something. We were talking about like, this is how like a company structured or something. And so me being like, you know, my dad is a very open meritocrat, very open capitalist, like always talked about, like, you know, you got to love it, work love it, everything like that. So, yeah, like very just hard nosed. And this is just kind of the way it was. And I remember I was sitting on the right side of like the middle right of the back of the classroom. And so I remember, you know, I, we were just kind of talking about this night and, you know, I was always the person that like raised my hand when no one wanted to raise their hand. And so I was like, fuck, I'll do it. I'll answer the teacher, like whatever. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think I gave like an answer about like, well, you know, if I, I believe in like equal pay for equal work and like, you know, even, you know, the, the executive should get paid the most because they have the most responsibility. They're heading the company. If the company fails, they're the first ones to get blamed and everything. And so I said, you know, very, I would think kind of mainstream essential, like, essential facts. Yeah. Sure. And then so I, I, I say this and then um, there's a person I, I just hear on the left side of the classroom and um, a guy who I will not, I will leave anonymous, raises his hand and says, you know, well, I really don't think CEOs should get paid more than their employees at all. Like their employees are the ones doing the actual work. And it was kind of like a record scratch type of moment. And I just look over to like the other thing and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what like- the- I didn't know that was coming. And so like, it was like, I remember I told, I, I was so, I was so like, I wasn't like upset by it necessarily, but I was so like, just interested. Drawn in back. Like, yeah, I was like, I was interested in, like why that was a mainstream thing. And so I, I remember I told my dad about it later. I'm like, dad, like, this kid said like the fucking craziest thing inside of class today. And he's like, yeah, like people think like that. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And so that was uh, just, it was, so that was like my moment where I was like, oh wow, like I might be off the deep end with a lot of people here. And so like, that's yeah. the moment that I always go back to in terms of like, just the stratosphere of values that people can really get to and, you know, kind of the bubble you're in until it bursts eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good example. It's kind of nice. You just have like one, one moment where you kind of realize that. Um, Similarly, like it's not when I started to realize that, but like, I would just remember I'd be sitting in economics courses in college and you'd think if you're taking economics at a collegiate level, you're at university and you're learning economics. Most people tend to think fiscally, I would say the same. But like even the professors sometimes would say stuff that made absolutely no sense. And I'm like, just the fact that you're teaching this to students, just I'm shocked by. And I, I can't think of a specific example, but I remember like very often I would get back from class and I would like talk to my roommates about it. I'd be like, like he, the professor literally said this. And like, that just is not true in the business world. And I, I would listen to other podcasts. I really like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And he, yeah. he always says like, re, he has real teachers and fake teachers. And he calls real teachers the people who actually go out, start businesses, do things. And then fake teachers are like professors at universities. They'll say all these things, but they've never done it in real life, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I find economics, I wish I would have majored in, I minored in economics, minor in accounting, I majored in finance. I, looking back, I wish I majored in economics as well, because I think if you can like fully understand economics, it just makes you such a smarter person and like statistically, I think you make so much more money in the real world if you can understand how the economy works. Yeah, and how like mar- like basic things about markets. Yeah, I mean, basic like supply, demand, like law of diminishing returns, all of these different economic theories. If you can understand that, you'll be so successful in the business world. So yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. Value economics for Sam Lacrosse, one-year anniversary edition. There you now, go. Look at that. Congratulations, by the way. I appreciate you, my friend. But so, like, the thing that I, I'm always curious about, too, is, like, when – I remember this picture, and I don't know if it's – it probably is still up on your Instagram. I remember I was in – you were in college at this point. You just had – I remember – I couldn't believe that you posted this because you, you posted a, a picture. So the Renette family is very famous to you guys. Have a really awesome 4th of July party. I've been to many of them. Uh, you guys are, you know, you have to invite kind of like a block party thing. You invite a lot of people over and you, you took a, a picture. And I don't know who was in the picture. It was you, I think you, know, you and a couple of your friends or something. And you're right in the middle of it. And you have this big fucking Trump 2016 shirt on in the middle of it, whatever. And I'm like, this guy is going to get like, you know, he's going to get sniped. Oh, Absolutely. So I'm just like, like my inner like lizard brain clicked on. And I was like, what the fuck? Like this guy is like committing like cultural suicide. Like, what oh, dude, I don't see. I'm I'm at that point now where I just don't even care. So I, well, I if someone's gonna like not, let's say someone's gonna not be friends with me because I have different political opinions than them, and they're gonna freak out if I'm wearing a Trump shirt. Like I probably don't want to be surrounded by those kind of people. So I like kind of got to that point where I'm like, you know what, I'll post what I want. I'll say what I want. I don't want to have closeted views on anything when it's important things. I mean, representing a, I mean, it's the most patriotic day of the year. You got to represent someone who's one of the most patriotic people I know, you know? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, I mean, and that was what the root of my question was. Like you just didn't give a shit. I knew, and I knew you didn't give a shit, which was kind of just like the, like that was what was so amazing by me and kind of like or about about you to me and kind of going back to the thing I opened the podcast with was like, w- like, when did you, was that always a thing with you or did you have like a moment of like, you know, oh, wow, like I might not wear like, like the Trump shirt on the Instagram. Or like, wow. Yeah, you know what? I actually, there was one moment I did that just came to mind. I got dress cut in high school. I was wearing a shirt that was pro-police, right? I mean, love the police, come from a law enforcement family background with Nick, right? And I was thinking about going into law enforcement myself when I was growing up and even in college. And I, I wore a shirt that said, hey, cops, next time you need help, call a crackhead, right? Pretty good shirt. Like, don't be ta- don't be dissing on cops and expect them to come help you when you need it, right? Because there's a lot of people like that out there. So I wore that to school and there's one teacher, I'm not going to, not going to name her. Um, yep. after class, she, uh, she's like, can you say real quick? And I was like, yeah. And I, I had no idea why. I mean, it's a normal shirt. I thought, and she's like, Do you, I'm assuming, you know what this is about. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like I don't. And no. she's like, I'm going to have to send you down to the office because of the shirt you're wearing. It makes people uncomfortable. And I, like, I think I might've been a little snippy at her, but like, I wasn't going to disrespect her and, and say like, no, but I, I went to the office and I, I forget if it was the vice principal, whoever, but I basically made it clear that it was ridiculous. They were dress cutting me for that. And then I was, after that, I was like, I am going to just, I'm going to talk about my opinions. I don't care what, if other people don't like them or not. Cause I feel like it's important to, to get it out there. So that, that was one moment, I guess that sticks out to me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting, man, because like you, you take like it really doesn't matter, honestly. Like, I mean, I think like it, like I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people are realizing. I, I think they're realizing now. I hope I'm right that they're realizing now. It's like none of this shit really means anything. I think like you know, I, exactly. I come back, like, like one of the most amazing stories that I have seen recently is that you know I don't know. Have you ever been to New York City before? I have not, but it's on my list. I want to go for sure. Okay. So I've been, I've been to New, to New York many times. And so like New York is like as advertised, like it's this big, amazing city with all these massive buildings and everything surrounding it, but it's very 
very liberal, incredibly secular, like everything, like everything about it is very true. I think it's what of, you know, one of the requirements to make a really good city, obviously, like the city needs to be like the religion of itself, and it can't really have a lot of other things. And so people, they claim to like, you know, more political ideologies, or they like worship crystals or some shit or whatever happens there. But, um, you know, so there's, there's this thing, um, there was this article recently, um, it was after um, Shia LaBeouf was on uh, Johnny Bernthal's podcast, and he came out as like, you know, I'm this very religious person now, I have a daughter, I'm going to do this thing or whatever. And there was this, there's been a amazing spike in young millennial and Gen Z New Yorkers who are turning Orthodox Catholic in rapid numbers out in New York. Because I think that, and these are kind of people that are saying like, I think like either the the rampant political ideology or kind of the all like everything else, it's just, it's just not working and they know it's mm-hmm. not working. So like they're going to yeah. turn to like, they're kind of like, Oh my God, this is so, this is so wild. And now they're turning to like a, also, a very, like the thing that they probably hated the most when they were in that secular religion, whether it's kind of like woke culture or social justice, whatever you want to call it. And now mm-hmm. they're kind of going to the most restrictive thing that they probably hated more than anything, like Orthodox Christianity and saying like, this was so rigid, but it failed me, but this is going to be rigid and stood the test of time. So I'm going to go here now. And I think that's kind of happening on both the left and the right, hopefully, where people are like not going crazy where they're thinking like, the Clintons are drinking blood in the bottom of a pizza hut. And, you know, they're not thinking about those things, but then the other people are not like, let's, you know, throw paint on paintings of Abraham Lincoln either. Which is, you know, I mean, yeah. Cause that, that solves, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that's, that's going out and that's solving a lot. I'm glad they're doing that stuff, you know, like cementing, gluing themselves to the streets and stuff like, yeah. come on, what are you doing? Come on. How does somebody yeah. see that on social media or on TV and think that that, just makes any sense whatsoever. I just don't understand it. It's so interesting to me. It's, it's a religious impulse, I think, man, because it's like, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, that's kind of like when you think about like the really kind of old school, like you think about pagan sacrifice, you think about like doing all these things where you are doing rituals and participating in all these cult like activities and everything. Like it's very, it's very disturbing in a lot of ways because like, you know, it is. You it's just, from, yeah, you can get that from a religion. Like that's why I say, like, I made a post a couple weeks ago about happiness and i i made it clear that mm-hmm. like you know, picking a religion is good but i mean you need to pick one that has a god in it or you're going to be mm-hmm. very very lost and i really don't care yeah. i would prefer it to be the christian god but mm-hmm. if definitely pick one with a god in it and you will be fine but if you don't then you're probably at the mercy of a lot of people who don't want the best for you at the end of the day yeah no that's yeah that's very true i agree yeah yeah so uh, you said you went to you went to the smaller liberal arts college. So like, what was, was the reception there? Like you said, it was kind of like from professors, but I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're a student athlete. Like you're probably, I would say somewhat big man on campus type of vibes. And so like, you're kind of networking with a lot of people, you're seeing everything there. And, you know, these things start to come out about people about like, maybe, Oh, like, you know, Mike Burnett might think this thing about somebody else. And I think that thing about somebody else, like mm-hmm. what was the reception there when people started to get to know you more? Yeah, I mean, well, I think people started to know me, like kind of who I was from one of those first weeks. I show up to track practice. I remember wearing the same thing, same Trump shirt. And my hurdle coach at the time, it's like my first month on campus. And my hurdle coach is like, he's like, dang, you you have some balls wearing that to track. And I was like, basically said, I'm like, same thing I just told you not too long ago. I'm like, I just... I don't care what people think of me. I'm not going to go about my life having to worry about what everyone looks at me because I just, I don't care. And uh, ever since then, like, I, people knew who I was. They, they treated me with respect. I treated them with respect. And I, I think being a student athlete on campus, um, just being surrounded by athletes, we already have one thing in common is that we like sports. 
where I think that's an important, like, important bond that I had with a lot of my friends. That's something that we connected on. Um, similarly, like since I was a finance major and in a lot of business classes, a lot of the people I had, a lot of just my fellow classmates had similar views that I did um, just because we, especially, I mean, a lot of in the business classes, there were a lot of athletes and we we're both studying finance. So we connected on a lot of things and I would say it, it definitely was people I'm sure, as you know, like when you went, went throughout your courses, you can kind of tell how people act and how they just present themselves, what kind of values they hold. And I think yeah. that I was able to do that with other people and they were able to do that about me. Yeah. So it was, it was like, again, it kind of comes to like a common value system, no matter that kind of transcends everything. Like you're in college athletics. It's very, very difficult, very hard. You guys are, you know, I don't know where like the stereotype of like college athletes having it easy comes from because you guys certainly do not. I mean, I was just at like the mm-hmm. wedding with a bunch of like you with Sam Jarek and a bunch of other, you know, of his teammates who were very, very busy all the time. And they were going to, mm-hmm. you know, you as a track athlete, you're going all over the place. You're doing these meets. You have a lot of these things coming up. You have injuries, you have, you know, constant strain in your body, everything like that. And I think that the cool thing about athletes, and this is where like I got close to, you know, you and your brother, for example, is like we traveled around doing all these meets and stuff. And like, Sometimes like we grew up in Northeast Ohio and sometimes in March it rains and it's like 40 degrees outside and it's miserable and you get to like experience very common things with people that you otherwise may or may not have a lot in common with. And you kind of bond around those similar experiences that you share together, not just your own individual experience that you have, you know, surrounding whatever the case may be during the day. And I think that, you know, that's, you know, that's why I think like the, sports and athletics getting corrupted by all this stuff is, is such a shame because like it is like the last unifying apolitical, a religious thing that we have really in society in many ways, because, you know, we have people from all different walks of life that come in and they are just wanting to express their athletic gifts in the best way they can to a lot of other people. And they're amazing at it. Oftentimes not, especially at the professional, the collegiate level, but Mm -hmm. when you have these things creep in and people start to make that, above the performances and above the athletics and the people that are on the field or on the court or wherever on the track, wherever it, um, it just, it, it just demoralizes it. And it's, it's really, yeah. really upsetting. So I'm, I'm glad that you are able to see the value in it. And I think that a lot of other people get value from those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you put that really good. I think it's also important to note, like, as you said, from a professional level, you have all these people who are, I, I don't know how to put this. I, I think people who, who play sports at a professional level, should play the sport and that's what they should represent their team and not much more than that i feel like now everyone's just trying to make it so much more than what it actually is and everything's just so political and there's so many different things in the news you see about this athlete or this famous person here and there and it's like why does everyone go on and on about them it's i wish it wasn't so divided like that yeah i mean it's i don't know man i mean i think it's kind of like we look like we don't have like a royal family or anything in America. And I think that we look at our celebrity class kind of as our royal family for better or for worse. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a terribly big fan of, of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, but I mean, like it's going to be something where it's like, you're going to end up following those people or you're going to follow the Kardashians or LeBron James or, you know, all these other people that kind of go off and do these things or whatever. But I mean, I don't know, dude, it's, it's a very, it, it's a very weird thing. And I think that going back into kind of, you know, it's, it is, a reflection of the moment for a lot of different things, including their own insecurities and things like that. And I think from 
someone like you and kind of going back to more of, you know, your stake in all of this, you have the other thing that I always really admired about you kind of the second thing other than kind of your expression of, you know, who you are unapologetically is that you've always been a really adventurous person and a very curious oh, yeah. person. Like you go oh, out yeah. and you travel a lot of places and you do things and you jump off cliffs into water and like all that fun mm-hmm. shit. You do a bunch of things so like much that. fun. Dude, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm so adventurous. I will be adventurous till I'm like, eight. I could see myself being like 90 years old and still skydiving and cliff jumping and stuff. Actually funny. Yeah. Somebody yeah. sent me a, a video like maybe a month ago on TikTok, and it was this super old guy jumping off of a cliff and, and they're like, this is totally going to be you. And I was like, 100%. I just got back. I went skydiving about two weeks ago out in Vegas. Uh, that was yeah. my second time I've gone skydiving with my mom for my 18th birthday. That was a really fun time. Uh, me and Emma just went in Vegas. Um, I mean, cliff jumping so many times when I was younger, like I would go cool with cliff was definitely out in Vermont, a little 75 footer, which is pretty sweet. Um, the quarries by our house and Persalira, that was always fun. And then bungee yeah. jumping out in Costa Rica. I think it's, it's important just, especially when we're young, just get out, be adventurous, travel. Can't emphasize that enough. All my friends be like, how do you travel so much? Like, like I, first off, that's, we can have a, spend a whole nother podcast on this. I have, I have a lot of friends who are just, let's just say not that financially responsible and they'll spend their money on just a lot of just dumb things that they don't need. And I just tell them like, if you just don't do that, you can go and travel for a weekend, travel for a week, go on a cruise. Like it's not that expensive. Just watch what you spend. Like, I mean, I, I like spending my money on traveling. Other people might like spending it on something else, but definitely take advantage of it while you're young. For sure. I mean, I think that's like, well, where does, is that something like, is your mom like the crazy skydiving person in your family? I, I don't know. I, I no, know. honestly, I mean, it was sweet. I, I love that I went with my mom. That was awesome for the first time. But like yeah. the adventure, I, I think my mom is adventurous. Yeah, probably more. My dad wouldn't skydive. I don't think. He said maybe he will one day, but I mean, he's not dying to skydive. Um, Allie went bungee jumping with me out in Costa Rica. She went even before me. Cool. She just walked up and jumped. And that was crazy i mean you're you're on a little trolley overseeing the rainforest four or five hundred feet up and you just got to walk up and jump it's it's probably more difficult than skydiving because you're at least you're tandem with somebody else but the travel bug i'd probably definitely get from my parents they sure love going on their cruises and traveling the adventure um i think yeah i'd probably get a little bit from it but just a lot of it i'm probably more adventurous than anybody else i know yeah, I, I would say so too. That's why I wanted to ask you because it's like, you know, you have that kind of natural, I think that's kind of where, do you, are you afraid of a lot of things or no? I would imagine. No. Okay. Yeah, not okay. really afraid of much at all. Because I think that, like that ties in with your sense of security in yourself because I was a very insecure person for the most, for most of my life. I was a very big people pleaser. I would always kind of cut and tailor my personality to match everyone else. And, and you seemingly did at least very little and not much of it at all. And that also cultivated into you being this person who can go out and say like, fuck it. I want to go travel to this place and, you know, dive like go spelunking or whatever the hell you crazy people, yeah. do or whatever things like that, <laughs> or whatever. And so like, you know, I think those two things are very, very related. And now that I think that I'm figuring a lot of things out more, um, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this in terms of just overall my personality and my standing in the world and what I want to do and how I want to live my life and everything. Like, I don't mind being 
less rigid than I was or kind of going to explore mm-hmm. this new thing or not being on a routine all the time and everything. And I think that um, I'm not the biggest fan of Alex Hormozzi, but I think Hormozzi has, has this thing where he said like, he doesn't really believe in morning routines for a lot of people because he believes that morning routines are a crutch. And I don't think he's totally wrong about that with a lot of people because people are so dependent on structure and the way that they go about living and everything like that. that they're just kind of, if they deviate from that at all, they can't function, which is something that is very destructive in a lot of ways. And I think that if you don't have that sense of competence and security within yourself, you won't have that sense of adventure where you can experience things that really kind of transform your perspective or get out for everyone else. And I think that you have that, which is, I think, a really, really cool thing to have, especially for someone that's early in life. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you. I think there was a, there was a quote I saw, I don't know who it was from, but it was basically like, if you can jump out of a plane and skydive, you could do anything in life, which sounds like at first you're like, that kind of sounds dumb. But then if you think about it, I mean, it's kind of true. Like just having that mentality and yeah. that kind of attitude, you know, towards life. And I don't, I like it. It's, I think it's yeah. pretty true. Holds true. I think it does too. I mean, well that, I mean, it's a, it's a really crazy thing when you think about it. like diving out of a fucking plane. I mean, <laughs> yeah. People be like, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's like, like, why wouldn't you, you know, I, 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 live, live a little. <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the, I guess that's the, the glass half, the glass half full mentality. You have with these things, which yeah. Is, so, and I think the other thing that I, um, I talked about this. So we went to, uh, Sam and Morgan at the wedding I was at with your brother and uh, with your parents and your brother and, and his fiance, Sam. I remember we were at the rehearsal dinner for Sam and Morgan and I hung out with, with your brother and his fiance the, the entire time. And so it was awesome. It was great. And uh, your parents got in late. We went over to, they had like dinner at this local like sports bar or something. So we all drove over and met them at this, at this sports bar and I caught up with them and everything. And the one thing that they described that I didn't really attribute to you, but we, we talked about you and Allie a little bit, but, but about you, it was specifically about like, they view you as a very lucky person in a lot of ways. Not because like you didn't really have like your own ability to do everything, but like they said, like, you know. Mike is just like, you know, I think they described, you know, your guys' Vegas trip that you went on. with. You, with oh, I was going to say Vegas, I was lucky, that's for sure. <laughs> and Nick was like, yeah, yeah, he could just go up and like throw everything on black and he hits it like five times in a row or whatever. Like, do you think that's kind of like – that? has got to be a good gambler. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. I <laughs> no, mean, I'm just like an earned like swagger you have about yourself and a confidence that you have because of like – I mean – I think having confidence is so important in like in life. And I feel like I've had a lot of life events that have helped me gain confidence throughout my life. Um, But I mean, when it comes to being lucky, I would say like, I'm a very firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I think a lot of events that I've been placed through throughout my life have been, you could say lucky, or you could say, I mean, just like part of God's plan. Like I always, the story that I always tell everybody is like, I did not want to go to Otterbein, right? Like I really just wanted to go to Ohio state. I had a lot of, I, I think I had a lot of great attributes in high school. I graduated with 4.1 GPA. I was president of our class. I was captain of multiple sports teams, like multi, I don't know how many varsity letters I had, maybe like eight or 10 or something. Um, and I didn't get into Ohio state and I was like, dang, like this sucks. And I was kind of shocked in my life. Like I was like, this is I don't know what I'm going to do now. So then I went to Otterbein and at first, like all jokes said, I was like not looking forward to it. I was excited to go out, you know, go to college. Um, sad to like leave my family and leave my hometown. But like, I kind of just always envisioned myself being at Ohio state. And I look back and I tell people and I'm like, I am so, so happy 
that I got rejected from Ohio State because if it was not for that, I would not have all the experiences that I have over the last four years, all of the new attributes, my education, like all my new friends, everything like that. And like, I think some people might view that as lucky, but some, I kind of view that as just everything happens for a reason, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you got rejected from Ohio State? I had the same thing happen. I would say ACT score. That's the only thing it's got to be. Um, I'm trying to think of what it even was. I, I want to say I got a 27 on my ACT. Um, yeah, probably that. I probably should have got a 31 or 32. But I was say, I, you, you, you just cut out for that whole answer. What did, what did you say? Oh I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no problem. Can you, can you hear me now? Yeah, no, I, All right, perfect. I would say it has to it has to be my ACT score. Um, that's the only thing I could think of, which I still I I should have done a lot better than I did. But what'd you get on your ACT? I think a twenty seven, maybe. Twenty seven. Okay, twenty eight. Yeah, so I mean, I, I honestly should have got like a thirty one. Oh, you got twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. Had yeah. a had a do me there. Uh, well, I mean, like you, I've done me and everything else. Please note on the podcast, Sam Lacrosse is smarter than I am. Well, it, 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 you know, I don't know. I, well, it was funny because I look back on my ACT and my and my dad. Um, you know, I, I remember telling him about this. So I, I um, I did really kind of below average or average and everything else, but I got a thirty-five on reading, which boosts me up. Dude, me up that's myself. the exact opposite of me. So my math, doing? my math is in, was impeccable. Like I am very good at mental math and math in general. Science is pretty good. Um, dude, the reading is what killed me. I, I would remember I was sitting in the ACT, oh, I can't talk, ACT um, testing room. And I, I feel like I had have gone through just like a handful of questions. And then the proctor goes, you guys have five minutes remaining. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right oh, now. Like no I'm going to fail this ACT. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, happens for a reason. It does. So, it does. And you had a great time because of it. And I think. And exactly. I think that- exactly. Yeah, and so you've been in the workforce for a little over a year now, right? Basically? Yep, yep. Right. Just hit a, a year last uh, first week of June last year. Very, very fortunate. I love my job. Um, I am a financial analyst for Miller Toledo, so I'm in a rotational program where every three to four months I get a new position with the company. Uh, just falls under the finance umbrella, which is really good for early in my career. I get exposure to so much. So I mean, I worked with internal audit. They sent me out to France. Uh, sent me to Tampa. That was cool. Got to see our facilities there and work with my colleagues over in Europe. Um, worked with the group finance team. So looked at our uh, consolidation or all of our numbers put together, worked with SEC to report it because we're a public company. Uh, right now, I just finished up a te- uh, rotation with the pricing team where I kind of use some coding, uh, learn how to use SQL, build a tool. And then now I'm with Treasury and unit finance. I've done a lot. It's cool. I mean, what have you liked the best out of curiosity? Um, I've liked them all. They're all unique. I would say the rotation I just finished up with the pricing team um, was really cool because you get you get to do so much. So like I was working on a tool to analyze our price variation for all of our products across the world. And as I was doing that, I was intermittently working on other projects. So one thing I was looking at, like discount analysis and how different customers view discounts like from a psychological standpoint. Um, that was kind of interesting. I look at just different macroeconomic trends to see what we should be setting our prices at. I wasn't really involved with that process, but kind of a little bit here and there. You got to see what it was like uh, with my boss and his boss. So that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome, dude. No, I love it. As a, as a uh, abandoned finance major, it's good to see people actually enjoying the major that I paid eighty thousand dollars plus for. So that's awesome. yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, so I think that um, in your sense of the in your sense of the corporate world now, do you do you like it? Or and and the the other thing in terms of like you're now dealing with HR departments and you're dealing with people that you know are watching you know kind of what maybe what you post on LinkedIn or what you post about Slack mm-hmm. channels. Like that. Like, yeah. No, I mean. I definitely, so, I mean, as we talked about in the beginning, like it's so important, I feel like to be open about everything. And once I did start work, I kind of started dialing that back a bit. I mean, I want to be professional. I always want to go about myself in a professional manner. And that might mean not necessarily not speaking your beliefs, but just being cognizant of where you're doing that at. So, um, I used to be a lot more active on social media when it came to stuff that I might not be as open about posting now doesn't mean I change my beliefs about it, but I definitely do kind of watch it a little bit just because I'm in a more professional environment and I want to make sure people, even though it would be a perfectly okay post every single time, in my opinion, some people would argue that it wouldn't. And for that reason, I don't want to get in trouble. So kind of am scaling it back a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, it, it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. I think like, I just got a, mm-hmm. I just got a Twitter again, like a couple of months ago and I've been, I've been having some fun with it, but I think that, you know, I, I, at all that, I, as a person who have got, who has gotten uh, multiple HR violations at my company that I have, and I work at a tech company, I don't work at a, um, a, a firm like you do, but you know, so it's kind of mm-hmm. more sensitive topics, but um, you know, I don't know. So it's got, kind of been, it's been interesting to see kind of like how that really happens to a lot of people. Like they get into, yeah setting and they deal with like kind of like big brother watching over them in a lot of ways and they're like oof well, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to get into the, you know all the things that I do here or whatever but I think it's like there's a to your point there's a difference in being like you know who you are and being you know saying what you believe and just being kind of like an unintelligent unaware ass about kind of telling everyone you what you think all the time because that just makes you like a narcissist out of exactly else. yeah it doesn't yeah. really help anybody mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I completely agree with that yeah. So I, I have to like, you know, I, I have to ask you, like, where do you think all of like this pushback comes from against like more conservative leaning people, like, you know, people with traditional values? Like, where do you think all of like the either like you want to call it the woke stuff, you want to call it the political correct stuff, whatever. Like, where do you think all of the genesis comes from, do you think? Big question. Where do you think it comes from? I, I mean, I don't think it could be narrowed down to one thing. I wish it could, so then it could be fixed, you know, but. I mean, I would say a couple factors that probably play a pretty big role um, would be lack of education. Um, I think another thing is the news. Definitely, I mean, you always hear like fake news and people joke about it, but I mean, it's so true. Like you flip on the news and it's just, it's, I always try, I read the Wall Street Journal every single morning. I think it's a very, very good news source, non-biased. I mean, I, I love Fox. Obviously Fox leans really right. But when I want to get real good news, I'll read the Wall Street Journal. And just when I flip on the news, and if I do watch a little bit of Fox, watch a little bit of CNN, I mean, it goes both ways, obviously. But I mean, it's crazy that some people will just see something and they just, they'll twist the words that are already twisted and they will see it completely different. And then they'll just try to push, push, push. And it just, it's not good for our society, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It is a multifaceted problem, which makes it very, very difficult to solve. And I think that just looking looking at it is, you know, very it's it's very interesting in multiple ways because I think it's it's not a simple problem to solve. And I think that the people that 
come out on both the left and the right side of everything and just say like, if we just follow this five step point plan, we'll just fix everything and everything will go back to whatever. And it's like, well, that's, that's not going to happen. Like that's not yes. going to happen. That's just lack of education. I was like, how does somebody believe that? You know? Right. And it's like, you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, again, just like pay employees as much as you pay the CEO of the company to breakfast the early breakfast. Yeah, it's company. like, you've obviously never worked a job where you don't like, that should be your goal work all the way up there. You, you work your butt off. The CEO just didn't get handed that, you know? I mean, yeah. they worked countless hours. They know more than anybody else. And like, that's what they deserve. So I don't know how to yeah. not see I that. Agree. I agree. And, and why, why do you think that, I don't know if you, I think I actually have been thinking of this more and more often. It's, it's people aren't really disagreeing. I think especially younger people, like they aren't just mm-hmm. disagreeing with one another anymore. Like, there are a lot of people that think like the values that you and I hold are dangerous, like actually mm-hmm. dangerous, physically dangerous, and like violent thoughts and, and, you know, value systems and beliefs and everything like that. Why do you think that we've shifted from just, I disagree with you to, I think your opinions about, you know, this one particular thing are dangerous opinions. Yeah. That's another thing too. I, I can't boil it down to one thing. It's like, I feel like people are just so extreme one side versus the other nowadays i mean it's they have to be there's like no middle i feel like there's so one way and if you don't agree with their one way you're wrong and they have to tell you that they're wrong and i I don't get why they why they see it as dangerous i don't i don't know i don't have a good answer for that one yeah well i mean it's i don't know if i have a good answer for it either i think that it's, it's just something where um I'm looking at this now, I think, and I think people like, you know, there's a lot of been a lot of new research into the, or not necessarily new research, but research into the subject of disgust by a guy named Jonathan Haidt, who wrote a lot of really good books. He wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. He wrote The, the, um, the Happiness Hypothesis. He wrote a lot of things. And I think that, you know, now I think people have really started to leverage that emotion of disgust and elevate it to the political level, which is not a good thing when you view your other person as like a loathsome thing or whatever, like a parasite or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, it's kind of just like we, and now it's kind of spread from not only like the things that, you know, either bad food or like poison or something to, and it's spread out to ideas and thought leadership and everything surrounding it. And now I think that's why it's like, we don't have to just beat this person in a debate. We have to destroy this person. We have to bury them. We have to do this. We have to do whatever. And now it's just becoming this, online mob machine feeding monster of like both people just going after each other with just reckless and ridiculous abandon on every possible front which is just it's yeah it's like it's really it's like they think that there's no it's okay to disagree with each other but a lot of people just take that to a new extent where they have to prove their point the other person's not going to agree with it but they just keep on trying and trying like it's okay to have disagreements in life so Mm -hmm. i agree I agree. Mm-hmm. And does anything about being a conservative now scare you? Um, the only thing that would come to my mind is that people will view me different in the professional world. That's all mm-hmm. I could think of. I yeah. never want to be at a point where I think that I might be in a, a job or a career where people look at me different because of those kind of beliefs. Um, and unfortunately I feel like that's just not the case. I feel like I've definitely had some bosses, not, not where I work now, or, um, I won't say like any specific company that I've worked for, but like I've had 
instances where I definitely did not feel comfortable. I, I still don't. I mean, I think I should keep, obviously keep politics out of work, but like, if I were to say that, I think that could hinder my career progression, which I think is very sad. So, yeah. What do you, uh, what is your goal in your career? I'm assuming it's, that's another big question, but like, like, do you want to be like a corporate ladder? Do you want to do the C, to be the CEO of company one day? Like what, what is, what is, yeah, honestly, I mean, I think my goal of, um, assuming I stick in the, let's just say I stick with a, in a corporate environment, I would say my goal would definitely be work my way all the way up until I'm at that CFO CEO position level. Um, I don't want to see myself settling for anything less that I think I'm capable of doing. And I feel like I can get to that point someday. So I'll work at it till I can. Yeah. Where does, that's another thing I'm, I'm sensing in you. And I think it kind of all ties together in your personality, but like you've also been a relentlessly ambitious person and, you know, have, has that always been kind of a part of your person? Like you've always been very competitive. You haven't been competitive in like a toxic way where you're kind of like shitting on your competition or whatever, but you've always wanted to be like, that go one more rep, like I'm going to do the extra work. I'm going to do everything around that. Where, where does that come mm-hmm. from? Yeah, I would definitely say, uh, athletics has kind of has motivated me to be like that. Um, aside from athletics, like even in the academic world, I feel like people would tell right. me when I started college, they'll be like, you'll get out of college, what you put into it. And I would say, unfortunately, probably 90% of people go through college. They'll go through the motions. They'll go in classes, they'll get their degree and they'll be done. But like, what I did, I would be in the library, not exaggerating, probably five hours every single day, at least. Like I would be in the library till it closed. They would, there were so many times, like in my Snapchat memories, they still pop up where I would be sitting on the third floor, the lights go out, they close, don't even know I'm up there because it was two in the morning. Like I would be out there just grinding, studying, because I would want to soak in as much information as I can and learn, constantly get better, because that's what's going to make me progress in my career as I get older and just learn more. Whereas all of my fellow peers that would just kind of walk through the motions, they're going to settle for those low entry jobs. They're going to stick there. They're not going to move and they're going to live the typical nine to five and not get out of that. But like, I don't want to settle for anything that I'm not capable of doing. Yeah. There's this, um, there's this quote that I've been, um, or there's these two clips rather that I've, I've been, I've been obsessed with from, uh, one was from, I actually, um, my, uh, you know, uh, Chris Williamson, who does the modern wisdom podcast. He's actually, he lives very close to me. lives in Austin. It's great. Great podcast. You should, you should listen to it if you're not already. He's a, he's a fantastic. fantastic Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a listen. Yeah, and so he um, he did an interview with David Goggins, and David Goggins said this to him, and he pulled um, Dana White had pulled a clip where you know they both talked about like David Goggins had said that you know it's so easy to be great nowadays because everyone else is so weak, and mm-hmm. Dana White basically said in this one clip, and, and you know I don't know if you, you know a lot about Dana White, but I think Dana White's one of the whole, most hilarious people that's ever lived. He basically said mm-hmm. like you know like everyone in this generation is such a bunch of soft fucking pussies and like anyone that can just you know if you're even remotely a savage and want to go out and go get it you can just run everybody right over and i think that that's so true yeah and and i think it is i think it's true also like and if you have a really if you even have like a, a a minor sense of that being available to you and you know that like mm-hmm. man fucking smoke everybody i think yeah i completely agree i feel like i'm already so many steps ahead of other people my age i feel like i i don't know i'm sure it it it's from a lot of different things but i'm definitely very grateful to my parents for kind of pushing me to be like that and pushing to be better not settle to be average but like so many people who are our age just are settling to be 
just weak and not wanting to get better. And I, I don't get it. It's I don't, not me. I don't, I don't know, man. Not I, me I, and not I, you. I would say I'm glad that I don't have that problem, but I, I don't know if that would yeah. be, you know, like I, I wonder sometimes like looking at people who don't really want to push and don't want to really carry a heavy burden or have expectations on them or whatever. Like I wonder, I wonder how they feel and I wonder if I would like it. And I don't think that I would. I wonder oftentimes like what they're thinking about when they see someone like, like you who is staying in the library till 2 a.m. or me who does a, who, you know, gets up at four o'clock in the morning and goes to work out and then does a whole day of work and then comes home and calls a friend and then hosts a two hour men's small group and then gets on a podcast with you and then goes to bed and sleeps for six hours and gets up and does it all over again the next day or whatever. And so like, I, I wonder like what they, what they think about that. And, I, and I'm very, I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I think that like, I've always wondered what it's going to be on the other side of the curtain. And I, and I've thought about this, this often. I remember I wrote a, I wrote a post about this a while ago and my blog and my writing is by no means a major hit or major success. It's just something that I hold closely and that I value the most. Like I value getting on time on a podcast with you and talking about these things and everything. So like I have time for everything, but you know, I haven't seen, I haven't had like the big break yet. I haven't had like, you know, I haven't been invited on Joe Rogan. I haven't had a big major guest want to come on or whatever. And I love my guests and I love Joe Rogan and I love all these other things. But like, I was thinking in my head, like, was this all worth it? if I spent all this time and effort to do this and I didn't really get millions of dollars or this or that or whatever, and didn't get to, you know, maybe leave my job or whatever to go out and do this full time and travel the world and whatever. And I think, I think that it is for the fact because it was very hard and it's very time consuming and it takes away from a lot of the other things. And I at least know what it's like to kind of, you know, try really hard at something and see what that brings people. And I don't know if that's, a good answer, but it's the best answer that I can come up with. Yeah. I mean, I think if it's something that makes you happy, which it, I can tell it definitely does, I would hope, right? Cause you devote yeah, so much time yeah. to it and you like it like, then yeah, no regrets at all. I mean, you're, you're constantly working to get better. I mean, I, I think it's great. I think that if, uh, like you said, if you weren't doing it, what would you be doing? Sit on the couch, watching TV, yeah. being boring, being lazy. Like, that's not what life's about. Life's about doing stuff to, to make you happy and constantly better yourself. So I have to agree yeah. with you. Why do you think, and this has been proven in study after study. I was actually listening to another podcast with Chris Williamson on with Destiny, the streamer. I was listening to the beginning of it today. Why do you think conservatives are happier than liberals? <laughs> There's so much stuff that I want to say that I just know I can't. Um, Hey man, I, this is an open platform. I know you got to. I know you got. You got to be mindful of what you say, but you can say whatever. I know. You I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of how to word this one. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. Of, you said there's a lot of studies on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. There, dude. There's tons of data. That, like that happens. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. I think if you if you look at basic statistics, just facts on on people who tend to lean right versus people who tend to lean left, just basic statistics tell you that. People who tend to lean right are working better jobs. They're they went they're more educated. They went to higher get higher degrees. Um, so let's just focus on those two for now, so I don't go off on a tangent. Okay, so you're working better jobs. You're spending 
I mean, I, I think most, let's say most people spend eight, nine hours of work every single day. Like that's a third of your life at work. So if you're not working a good job, you're probably not going to be happy. If you are working a good job, you're going to be happy. You're spending a lot of time doing that. Yeah. So right off the bat, I think that's, that's gotta be a big one. Um, two, what I said, they're, they're making more money, right? So obviously money doesn't drive happiness. Um, but it could definitely buy you things that could make you happy. Uh, there's a lot of different beliefs people have on money and happiness and whatnot. So people can take that and run with it. But those are the two things that come to mind. I would be interested in reading some of those statistics though and about yeah. it. Cause I think that'd be an interesting study. Well, it says that like, it, like far and away, like the happiest people on the face of the earth in study after study are religious conservatives. Like that's mm-hmm. all it comes up. And I think like, I, I think that I would be like, and, and because I know this because I was one for it, I don't think I was ever really a left-leaning person, but I was definitely an atheist for a while. And I, I think it's just the lack of, it's the lack of basic fact of basic truth of something you can always rely on to garner yourself. Like if every, like I like, because being an atheist liberal is just throwing yourself into endless streams of chaos. Like everything. Yeah. Right. You have nothing to lean on. Yeah, like you have no grounding principles like in, in anything because if truth is malleable, there's no God, there's no – like you're, you're constantly trying to progress beyond the norms without kind of clinging to the norms. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that got to be a remarkably shifting identity at all times I would think. And yeah. like I – and maybe some people can handle that and, and God bless those people. But I know for a fact that I am not one of those people. I would be a terrible relig- or, or liberal atheist. I would be an awful one because I couldn't mm-hmm. deal with it. And I think yeah. that just like overall, and I think that um, I talked about this. I talked about this quote a lot too. Um, what uh, Douglas Murray, one of my favorite authors ever, he was on uh, Lex Friedman's podcast. Um, you know, about I would say over almost maybe two years. No, it was about I would say a little over a year ago now. Talking about uh, talking about this this same topic, and um, he said to uh, so Lex Friedman, um, who I'm not that much of a fan of, but I think Lex is a very talented podcaster. Um, and I think that he, he has uh, a thing that he asks to every guest at the end of every episode. And he asks him kind of like, you know, what is the meaning of life? And Douglas Murray's answer has always stuck with me. And he said basically that, you know, meaning is to be found where other people have found it before. And I think that's probably the best answer you can get to that question because where have people found meaning before is in religion, family, hard mm-hmm. work patriotism core values all those values that we just been talking about right it's like you know basic basic stuff it's not anything that's like new or revolutionary mm-hmm. or overthrowing some kind of established yeah. order like always in resting in the thing and, and by the way those things have to be good things and virtuous things you can't yeah. like, do that with like you know a, a neo-communist society it's probably not going to be like the best outcome for a lot of people but if it's in a, mm-hmm. if it's in a good structured system the system most likely works and that's mm-hmm. kind of what drives everything. So that's what I think it is. But I, I don't. I'm always curious to get people's answer and feedback on that question. So that was a good answer, I thought. You know, I think I think yours was a little, little better than mine. A lot more drawn out. It was good. Um, I mean, yeah, like if you look at a conservative. When I think of values, I think it boils down to what do you think of when you think of values, right? So I mean, I think of like yeah. faith, faith and family. Those are just the two that stick out, big ones to me. And relationships, um, faith, family, relationship, like first one faith and they don't already don't even have that. So yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. I never thought about that really. 
I mean, it's it's a good question to ponder, and I think that, like you know, especially with this, with this next question, I want to ask you. It, it kind of it, it bears a good amount of weight to it, I think, because what is your argument to people to persuade people that your ideas are correct? Like, what is your like mm-hmm. when someone asks you, like, why do you believe the things you believe, or when you come into a disagreement with a person, like, what what is your kind of go to method of persuasion to say, like, maybe you should try the way that I think because it's generally better? Like, what is your process? Yeah. Um, I would say always just approaching the conversation with that. That's probably not always going to be my intent is to persuade them that I'm right more so to go about it with being open. I think it's, it's so important to have them express what they think and then you express what you think and then kind of have a middle ground already. Cause I feel like the first thing, if you start a conversation by saying here, I'm right because it already just kind of sounds negative. Yeah, it's, yeah. I believe, I believe this now tell me, why do you believe this? And then let's maybe talk about it. So I, I think a lot of it just boils down to how you approach the conversation and just having a having a sense of respect right off the bat, because that I feel like is, if you if you started off in a screaming match, I'm right because, or you're wrong because, it's just going to lead to a negative argument 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think that it's... um. It's, it's just interesting, man. I mean, the way that we talk to people is so important and the way that we go about trying to persuade and argue with people is really important. Like, you know, constructive conflict is much better than the obviously destructive conflict in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that those, that butting of the heads is, is really, is, is necessary, but it has to be done in a virtuous way, in the right way. And so I think that's yeah. kind of where everything really fits into it. And, um, kind of leads into like the last question. And, and this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot recently. So I'm very curious to get your thoughts about this. So you said you've talked a lot about like compromise, meeting in the middle, these things. Mm-hmm. I have slowly become a fan of the opposite of that. I do not believe in a compromise of, of a lot of things. I, I do not believe in kind of saying that like, okay, because I believe in my values so much. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I meant compromise itself. I think just having more so just being on the same page and being open to just talking about difficult topics. Um, you don't have to compromise on, on the issue at hand, kind of just, maybe I worded it bad, but just have that respect going into the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's because like, I, I think overall in general, it's like, you know, you have to be open to it, right? Like you have to be open mm-hmm. to being wrong and being say like, oh, wow, like you know, maybe I should think about this a little bit more or whatever, but I think that, you know, the, you know, I think this is something that, you know, why I like uh, Vake Ramaswamy so much and why I've liked him for about. Oh my years. gosh. I was going to mention him too, dude. I love him. Yeah. And so like, I, I he's, think, he's one of my, he's probably might be my favorite one right now. Honestly, yeah, he's like, just I'm, such an intelligent human. Dude, it's I've been, ridiculous. I've been, on, I've been on the Ramaswamy tsunami for about three years now, dude. And he's, he's oh, met, wow. dude, he's like, I've known about him for a long time. And so like, I, one dude, of he's amazing. Dude, he's, he's unbelievable. He's like one of the most, one of the, like, I, I'm not saying this to kind of be like, you know, advocate or like do a political endorsement. I like it matters, whatever. But I think like, sing, seriously, like he's one of the most impressive people I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, yeah. Overall, talented, like smart, one of the most overall gifted, hardworking people I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he's the American dream for all I'm concerned. Yeah. So like, when I see that and what, what he says is really interesting about Kind of like, you know, I embrace the radicalism that made this this country what it is. And I think he's absolutely right about that. And I, I, I think about all these things and I'm like, I'm like, wow, like that is probably, that's what we need to do to really, I would say, you know, maybe 
embrace some of those that inherent radicalism that is America in many ways and see how that all works out to one itself or whatever. But um, it, it's it's interesting, man, to kind of think about all these things from that perspective and kind of gain that traction from that standpoint. And um, we're running out of time, and I want to let you get to bed because it's later where you are than I, than I am. But in terms of, I always like to end this because I only have smart people on my podcast, and I want, and I think you're very intelligent, very wise. So if you have advice for people who are kind of maybe thinking in the same way that you're thinking or have similar opinions that you do or have similar concerns that people in our position have, whether it's like, I don't know what to do with my faith at the workplace or like me and my girlfriend are fighting because we have different political ideologies or everything like that. Mm -hmm. What would you you say to those people? Like, what would, what would your advice be to them? Yeah. I mean, if I were to give any advice about that, um, I would, this is just my personal uh, experiences, my personal opinion, as I say, it just depends on two things. Depends on the environment that you're in, and it depends on who you're talking to. But I would say overall, never ever try to closet what you really think. Um, you should never have to feel like you can't say something that you believe in, because overall, it's just going to make you not a happy person. Um, if you can't express who you truly are and you hold values that are really important to you, uh, but you feel like you can't say them you're just going to kind of feel trapped and you're not going to, you're not going to like that. Um, however, like with that being said, although you should always express yourself, my advice would be like, just be cognizant of your surroundings. Right. So like we talked about, if you're at work might not be the best time to talk about all of the things that you might believe in. And that's not, that's not hiding yourself. It's just knowing where you're at and what you can say to be in a professional manner. Um, you mentioned like for your, if you're fighting a relationship about something, I think if you're in a relationship, you and your partner should both have the same, not the, you should have very, very similar values. Cause if you don't, it's going to make it really tough. There should be some values that you kind of have a checklist for. And if they don't hit that value, probably shouldn't be dating that person. Um, but have two or three of those. And if they check those little arguments here and there about other stuff is probably not going to be as important. So Hopefully that answers your question, but it does, man. that's it what does. I would say. I'm very grateful for your time. I think you're, like I said, you're a very wise person. You're a very smart person. You're a very good person. So I appreciate all three of those values about you and much more, uh, Mike Burnett. So thank you for coming on, my man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much too. I know we spent a lot of time talking about me and, and everything, but I mean, likewise, same with you. You are a very wise person. I'm glad you had me on the podcast. It was nice to, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to everybody. And, uh, yeah hopefully we can do it again sometime soon dude i'd love it i'd love it absolutely Absolutely. hey give me a call whenever i'm always always down to jump on a podcast so 100 percent, 100 percent. you will be in my back pocket if i ever need you my man so perfect to everyone listening thank you for coming on another new post next week so in the meantime own the day open your mind thank you very much for listening hopping stopping hopping like a rabbit when i take the rose, you know i got the habit I lay back in the cut to tame myself Think about the shit and I think it well How can I make some regret? And how should I make that nigga straight?